Hey there, Duke fans. Donald Wine here from the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I just want to note before you begin listening to this show that April 1st has been a wild day for college basketball news, particularly news related to Duke in the ACC. Literally 15 minutes after we recorded this episode that you were about to listen to, Duke men's basketball announced that freshman guard DJ Stewart will leave Duke University and enter the 2021 NBA draft. He joins Jalen Johnson as players from Duke to date that have declared for the draft. We obviously did not get a chance to discuss it on this show with all the other news that had already occurred before we recorded. So you will hear all our analysis of this news at some point this weekend after high school recruit Trevor Keels announces where he will be going to school this fall. So we know this is big news for the Duke program, and we will give it full attention on the next episode. We apologize that it's not on this episode, but as I mentioned, it occurred 15 minutes after we had finished recording. So we thank you for your patience. We thank you for listening as always. And here is episode 302 of the DBR podcast. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 302 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are recording this on April 1st. No fooling today. We are here to discuss some massive coaching news that has dropped today. Before we discuss that news, Donald Wine here, your host for this episode. I have my two co-hosts with me today, Sam Klein and Jason Evans. Sam, first of all, good evening. Hello. I, I last talked to you guys like a little more than a day ago, and I still feel sick. So you may have just seen me using my uh, at-home thermometer on my forehead because I was doing it into, the, into my Zoom camera. But it turns out I'm still not elevated, so I still don't think I have COVID. Good. That's, that's good to hear. Hopefully that's good. You're feeling <laughs> a little Baseline, I think I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, and Jason Evans, hopefully you were doing well this evening as well. Yeah, I think, uh, as you guys know, I got my second shot. I got my second Moderna shot yesterday. And supposedly the next day for some people is pretty rough. It's, it hasn't been bad for me. I, I, I have not had any adverse reactions and I'm feeling very vaccinated. Good. That's good to hear. Uh, I was the same way when I got vaccinated as well. But before we begin with the news of today, a programming note, Friday, April 2nd, uh, again, tomorrow is another huge day for Duke basketball. It is the 20th anniversary of the 2001 national title game, of course, won by Duke. And tomorrow... Episode one of Return to Glory, the story of the 2001 Duke Blue Devils will hit the streets. Jason has been working very hard on it, and we are excited to listen to the first episode. Hopefully you listen to the promo that was released on our feed a couple of days ago. Also tomorrow, the number 19 recruit in the class of 2021, Trevor Keels, he will be announcing his decision on where he will play his college ball. Most will say that the two schools in the lead are Duke and Villanova. We will obviously discuss that on a show at some point after Friday. We also have the full Paulo Boncaro interview. And oh yeah, the final four. We have lots of stuff coming to you very soon. So make it's sure you- It's busy. It's busy, Donald. It's busy. That's what you're telling people. <laughs> it's very busy. So uh, we usually say this at the end of the podcast. We will probably do this again. But for now, make sure you are subscribing to the Duke Basketball Report podcast wherever you get your podcast because we have a lot of content coming for you. But guys, let's get to the news for today. We have- Again, massive news in the coaching front that we need to discuss. Of course, 
I'm talking about the report by Steve Wiseman of the Raleigh News and Observer that Austin P is set to name Duke associate head coach Nate James as their next head coach. This, this is the is, biggest coaching news in the triangle by far, right? It's not. I was going to say oh, the yes. exact same thing. This is such huge news. I haven't noticed. There's nothing. Nothing else going could. On nothing in could the top coaching this. world. Nothing. We nothing. we heard this and immediately we had to, <laughs> we had to jump on and talk about it, even though. We talked about it yesterday. Nate James will leave the Duke bench after 13 seasons in the Duke program, 12 of them as a Duke assistant or associate head coach. He will take over an Austin P. Governor's team that finished fifth in the Ohio Valley Conference last season. Gentlemen, we talked about this yesterday on episode 301, less than 24 hours ago, but it's clear that the story is moving quickly. And so we wanted to update everyone just a little bit with this news. So Jason, I'm going to let you start. Now that this move is apparently finalized, what does this mean for Nate James and Austin P? What it means for Nate James is a chance to build his own program, which is what all these guys really want. As great as it is to sit on the Duke bench next to Coach K and have, uh, look, Duke assistant coaches are some of the best compensated, most well-known uh, assistant coaches that, that exist in the college basketball world. Everyone in that job, almost without fail, wants to have their own program. They want to be able to put their own imprint on a program. And this is Nate James's chance to do that. He has certainly been on the Duke bench long enough to have absorbed a great deal of knowledge about running a college basketball program from the GOAT, uh, from Coach K. And, and I am really, really excited for him. I think it's a very, I think for Austin P, it's a, it's a great hire for Austin P. Uh, this is a guy who uh, has, has shown himself to be a high quality recruiter, shown himself to be someone who develops players really well. We've talked extensively about the way Nate developed Mark Williams this year for Duke. And, and someone with, you know, real name recognition and pedigree. Um, Austin P is a, it's a pretty good program. I mean, it's, it's certainly a mid-major. It's not one of the top mid-majors, but they are usually in the middle of the pack to the top part of the Ohio Valley. The Ohio Valley is a classic mid-major conference. And, and they've actually got a lot of nice pieces coming back next year. I looked at their roster a little bit. Um, they've got a couple seniors. First of all, seniors can come back if they want, but most of their roster is freshmen and sophomores. Um, uh, you know, so so there's there's some building blocks for Nate to build on there. And like we mentioned as <laughs> extensively, transfers, transfers, transfers. There are going to be plenty of opportunities for Nate James to stock that roster with the kind of players he wants because there are thousands, literally more than a thousand guys in the transfer portal right now. And Nate can begin right away picking out the guys he wants. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see. We talked about it. Jordan Goldwire, Patrick Tepay. There are guys out there that Nate knows really, really well who might be huge fits at Austin P. I think the quality that Nate James possesses that's going to do him well as a head coach is the way that he relates to players and the way that players look up to him. We've seen on the recruiting trail how successful he's been at establishing relationships with guys. And I don't think we've heard much about his, his like game planning ability. And, and that's the thing I think is going to be tested the most. But as it relates to working with the players, You'll see during Duke games, especially if you if you go see a Duke game in person, and now you won't get to see this because he's not on the sideline anymore for Duke. But one of the things I noticed the last few years being at games is that before the game starts, Nate James would walk around uh, during warmups when guys were, were shooting, taking layups, whatever, and he would pull each of the guys aside for like a minute and just start talking in their ear. And you could see their faces starting to light up and get excited for the game. I think there is, a, there is an innate here to use the use the term innate there is an innate quality to nate james about being a leader and 
and making other guys feel confident and ready to play. And by the way, I am sure I've only listened to the first episode because that's all that Jason has finished yet. But I am sure that throughout Return to Glory, we are going to hear a lot about Nate James and his effect on his teammates and and the guys around him and and how much, you know, he's not the loudest player on the team. He's not he's not going to be the loudest coach, but the effect that he has on other guys and, and in his ability to make them better, I think is going to come out a ton when he is a head coach. Sam, you brought up a great point about what he does pregame. Uh, Nolan Smith kind of does this a little bit too, but I remember when we went to the game against Clemson back in 2019 when Zion did the 360. And before that game, we were down on the on the court in the grad student section, and we could see all of them. Like he would walk around to different guys, and he'd say like, "We talked about like this. We seconds. talked about this at the yeah. time. We were like, what? I don't know what Nate James is saying, but but all of a sudden is, you would see guys. He was ready. super hype. You he was definitely telling hype." He was telling Zion to do a 360. I'm sure that's what he was saying. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We, we, when I, I remember this, I didn't see him talk to Zion. I'm not saying that he didn't do that, but I didn't see him at that time. I just saw him go around. He just kind of went to RJ Barrett and kind of like said something and kind of nudged him in the shoulder. And all of a sudden, RJ was just like, let's go. It just runs. I have around. an image burned in my mind of him doing uh-huh. this to Zion with Zion standing behind the three-point line and Zion's got his hand on his hip and he's looking straight ahead and he's got this look in his eye like I'm about to murder somebody which yeah I guess is is sort of the the Nate James uh you know manifesto from when he was a player right and and the thing about Nate James is that it's clear that he is a player's coach and you know he's 43 years old he's still very young but he also comes with 13 years of experience, 12 as an experience of experience as an assistant or associate head coach. So he clearly is ready for this role. And again, as we've mentioned before, a, a great, great fit in the sense that it's a mid-major program where he can really make a mark on a program. Maybe people will be fearing Austin P hopefully in a couple of years, but Sam, I want to bring you back in real quick because I, I want to touch on something else. I just mentioned that he has been here for 12 years, but Nate James now leaves a huge hole on the coaching staff. There are two former players in the Coach K tree that I think are the front runners at this point. You have Nolan Smith, currently the director of basketball operations for the team. And then there is Steve Wojciechowski, who was, of course, looking for a job after being dismissed from Marquette and who, as we all know, was an assistant at Duke before he left Marquette. In your mind, which of these guys is the front runner to replace Nate James on the staff? Or is there another guy out there that you think could challenge for that? So, I agree with you that it's Wojo and Nolan, first of all. And the key for me, the key question is, is Wojo getting a head coaching job somewhere else? Because if he is, I don't see him returning to the Duke bench this quickly. I think it'd be better for his career progression if he goes and gets another head coaching job, kind of the way that Johnny Dawkins did after he was fired from Stanford. So I think Nolan Smith is kind of the front runner here. What's most interesting to me is that Nate James got a lot of positive credit for working with the big men and... The I think the other sort of former Duke player that I could see coming back to be on the bench is Tyler Thornton, who was on Wojo's staff at Marquette. But Thornton's another point guard. So I'm I'm curious to see if Duke and Coach K are able to find another former power forward center type to join the coaching staff to kind of round that out a little bit, because they already have John Shire. He's a point guard unless he also leaves and gets a head coaching job, which would not surprise us. Nolan Smith is a former, you could call him a combo guard. Chris Carwell's kind of a, kind of a tweener, but um, so Duke doesn't really have a, a big man and, and we're going to have big men on the team next year. Mark Williams, Paulo Bancaro. I think that the, the progression and the progress for Duke the last few years in being able to recruit and, and develop big men, be it 
Zion Williamson, who was effectively a big for Duke. I know he played on the perimeter a little bit. RJ Barrett was kind of a big man, even going back to Jolly Locafor, Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter, all these guys, I think you can attribute a lot of their success to Nate James and Duke is going to want to continue that going forward. So that's going to be the key for me in, in looking at, at the next Duke assistant. If, Nolan Smith gets promoted into the associate role and then somebody else comes to backfill. I expect Duke to go after somebody who's got some either big man playing experience or coaching experience. I will note real quickly that when Wojo was an assistant coach here at Duke before he went to Marquette, he also worked a little bit with the big men, which was something that I remember because everyone would look at it was such Wojo a funny go, thing. <laughs> yeah. Why are you working with the big men and not the point guards? But Wojo definitely about five did work foot with- eight. <laughs> Yeah, he I mean, I think I might be taller than him in in basketball shoes, but it meant that he but he did a great job with that and and him and Nate James. And remember, he was more the senior. He was the associate head coach at the time. And then there was Chris Collins and then Nate James. So Nate James was kind of learning a little bit about how to work with the big men from Wojo and even Collins on the point guard side. And then he took what he was able to learn from them and really adapt from there. So I think it's is great. And you can see the progression. So I wonder if that's the way that Coach K will roll. Jason, I want to bring you back in. What do you think about this? Is it is it Nil- is it Nolan? Is it Wojo or is it somebody else? So I, I think it's Nolan. And and I, and I think uh, we've we've alluded to this. Uh, Nolan was was essentially offered a assistant coaching job at Memphis and turned it down. And I think he turned it down because he knew that he was next in line. Uh, to get a Duke assistant coaching job. And it makes sense. Look, the, the, that director of basketball operations job is sort of the, you take that job and then you fill in to, to become the next assistant coach. There's a natural progression that happens there. And I really think Nolan deserves that role um, at, at Duke, deserves a larger role in the coaching staff. Guys, I'll throw out a couple other names um, because I, I don't think it makes sense for Wojo. Wojo has, uh, Jeff Capel's situation was different he needed to rehab his image a little bit after some some bad stuff that happened at Oklahoma. Um, I don't think Wojo is in the same kind of situation. I think Wojo will be looking for another head coaching gig, not an assistant coaching gig. And there are a lot, well, there are more names than you would think who may make sense for something like this. I'll give you one: Sheldon Williams. Sheldon Williams is currently a coach in the G League for the Atlanta Hawks G League uh, team in College Park, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Um, I don't know if Sheldon wants to stay only on a pro track, but it, it, Sheldon might, you guys are talking about big man that might make perfect sense for him to come back to. Durham. I think that's a great call, Jason. Thank you. Ain't no better big man. So, I mean, yeah, like his name's in the rafters, his numbers on the rafters and, and friend of the podcast. Cause we, we talked about it when we interviewed him a few months back. I got another one for you. I happen to know that Dante Jones is currently working with the Golden State Warriors. And there are Dukies all over the league, all over the NBA, who are in little jobs and stuff like that, um, where I think they may be ready to, to, again, not to take an assistant coaching job at Duke, but to take that director of basketball operations. Guys, what's Lance Thomas up to? I was just thinking about Lance Thomas, Jason, because you know his pro career recently ended. And along the same lines of Nate James, who... You know, when when you hear stories about him from college or if you remember him playing in college, you know, the kind of guy he was. Lance Thomas was exactly that kind of guy. And, you know, he was tough. He motivated his teammates to be better. And that's a big man who really worked on his game while he was in college and in the pros. So I think the the spirit of development is something that Lance Thomas would absolutely be able to impart. Yeah. So there are a lot of names out there of guys that we can come up with. I, I, I think we've 
we hit on a number of them that I think would be really interesting. Um, I, I'm excited for some new blood for the for the Duke staff to get some turnover. I'm really excited for Nolan to get more involved in recruiting. I think that Nolan Smith is going to be a absolutely dynamite recruiter. And then one other thing I did want to mention, one thing I think is really interesting about this uh, with Nate James leaving, not the Duke staff, but, but Nate and Nate's future. Uh, Sam, you mentioned, you know, we don't know that much about Nate as a game planner. It is worth noting that when Coach K was unavailable, you know, a couple times over the past several years and this past season when he was unavailable due to, you know, COVID quarantine, it was John Shire who, who was the Duke bench coach for those games. It was not Nate James. That's not to say that, you know, Nate isn't able to handle it or anything like that. But one of the things I think to look out for, one of the things I think that's going to be interesting to see is how Nate ju- does handling a team on his own. Because when, when Duke had a chance to pick an assistant to do that, they, they went with Shire rather than Nate. You know, not saying one better than the other. Who knows how th- those kind of things are decided. But that is, I think, an interesting thing to think about here with Nate getting, uh, not officially getting it yet, but about to get the Austin P job. We will definitely keep abreast of this as it develops. Obviously, if Steve Wiseman saying it, I think we're safe in thinking that it's going to happen. Obviously, with it being April 1st, I know Duke didn't want to announce it today, given other things in the basketball world that are that may or may not be happening. But I know something that else keep, happening. Something else. There's really? something else. But yeah, I'll get to it in a second. There's a little small nugget thing. But uh, definitely, we'll we'll hear about that. But seriously, you know, Nate James, he's a badass, and he always will be part of the Duke family and we wish him well at Austin P we are going to pause right here up next we're going to discuss another bit of coaching news that has turned the NCAA coaching carousel upside down we discuss the retirement of Roy Williams gentlemen we are back and now we discuss the news that has taken over college basketball today Today, Roy Williams announced that he will be retiring as men's basketball head coach at the University of North Carolina. Roy retires after 33 years as a coach with 903 wins, 485 at UNC, and 418 while with the Kansas Jayhawks. He won three national titles with Carolina, went to nine Final Fours, won nine ACC regular season titles, and three ACC tournament titles. And he is also a member of the College Basketball and the Basketball Hall of Fame. The news, of course, is a major domino that has shaken the entire NCAA coaching carousel and the race is on to fill what is at this point the biggest open job in college basketball right now. Sam, I'll go to you first. This news came on April 1st, which is ridiculously odd timing, given that most people, myself included, believe nothing that happens today. But we had heard rumors about this before when Walker Kessler decided to enter the transfer portal. I had mentioned to the two of you that these were starting to get out there and they had started to grow a little bit, but give me your overall thoughts of Roy retiring from UNC and what it means for college basketball and really for, for a Duke sense for the rivalry. Yeah, this news was huge. And like you said, it was something that we had somewhat speculated about, but not something that I expected to be imminent, especially given all the dynamics that we've talked about around the transfer portal and, and all these, the, challenges of this particular offseason. I'm surprised that that Roy announced it now, but then I was I wasn't tuned into the press conference, but I was I was catching all the all the tweets and quotes about it and Roy basically said it he felt like it was time to hang it up and and he didn't need to to stretch this process out. I think the whole thing was was sort of classic Roy and and hats off to him for recognizing that 
that he realizes that his time is done at, at Carolina, as you said, I mean, more accolades than you can possibly imagine, right? There are very few coaches that, that can say that they had a better career than Roy Williams did, even forgetting his time at Kansas, like just at UNC, one of the all-time greats. And, and at a point where I guess the Carolina program is going through a transition. They've got a lot of guys leaving the program uh, this spring. And hopefully, they, for their sake, I, I, not that I'm rooting for them, but that they get an opportunity to, to breathe some fresh air into, into that program. Jason, I, I'd like for you to also give me your thoughts, but I, I want to lead it to you with this. This is obviously a huge coaching job. I know we don't like UNC, but it's true. Who do you think are a couple of the front runners that could take it? And I say actually take the job, not the rumors out there about coaches named Brad Stevens or anyone else who have been on the record of saying they're not going to college. But is there someone out there that you think is a legitimate, has a legitimate chance to become the next coach at Carolina? Everyone says that there are two front runners for the Carolina job, two members of the Carolina family. And, and most of the folks out there seem to think this is a job that's going to stay in the family, M- much like most people think that the Duke job when Coach K steps aside, which hopefully will be in many years, <laughs> um, that, that it'll stay in the family. And, and the consensus is that Hubert Davis, who has been an assistant at North Carolina for many years, sitting right next to Roy Williams for more than a decade now, um, Hubert Davis is supposedly the front runner and Wes Miller, former Carolina player, who's been the head coach at UNC Greensboro for a while has led them by the way, to several NCAA tournaments, hugely successful considering UNC Greensboro, not a big time program. Wes Miller has been really successful there. Everyone says that those are the two most prominent names that are out there. If you want to stay in the family, the other name that is talked about a little bit is Jerry Stackhouse. Um, Stackhouse was an assistant in the NBA and, and has been the head coach at Vanderbilt for the past couple of years. Uh, unfortunately for Jerry, his, his record at Vanderbilt has been not good. <laughs> Vandy is a tough job, no matter who has it. But um, Stackhouse, uh, they, they just, he's only been there a couple of years. It, it may, it's not his fault. I mean, Vandy is the least talented team in the uh, SEC, which is, which is a, you know, a, a pretty darn good conference. But Stackhouse has not done well so far at Vandy. Uh, so I, I think it's it, it'd be awful tough to to bring a guy who who's below 500 at Vanderbilt over to the Carolina job. Guys, I, I want to tell you there, um, CBS Sportsline tweeted out some other names with the odds, like they went ahead and put odds on some names. But they've got Hubert Davis at even money, Wes Miller at two to one, Stackhouse at seven to one. And then you ready for a few of these other ones? Tony Bennett, Virginia coach, nine to one. Is, is Tony Bennett going to move in conference? No. That, that is not good money to spend. Yes. Uh, how about uh, Mark Turgeon uh, at Maryland is also nine to one. Mark Few at 10 to one. Mark Few is not leaving Gonzaga. Mark Few is not leaving. I don't think he's leaving Gonzaga for UNC, but 10 to one. Jay Wright, Jay Wright at 12 to one. Jay Wright is not leaving Villanova, I don't think. You can start, start to see from these names why the guys in the Carolina family are the most likely ones because the other big names are probably not going to consider this. A couple others. By the way, the one I think they should really consider is Scott Drew. Scott Drew is at 15 to one. That's the head coach of Baylor. He has done an incredible job at Baylor over the past several years. I, I Can think I ask a, you, how yeah. is Scott Drew at longer odds to take this job than Jay Wright and Mark Few? Two guys who like are not I, the way the way that I was thinking about this is that the Carolina job, like the Duke job, is basically like it's one of the top tier jobs. Kentucky is is probably in this group. Kansas is probably in this group. 
where by the way they can basically hey, pull wait, any re- yeah. really quick those four I, i've been thinking about this a lot those four programs are on a tier different from everyone else like i think you said it duke unc um kentucky and kansas unless Who's- you are a top coach who is succeeding at like a at like a consensus like recurring top 10 level at another program you have to consider taking this job yes. which is why i'm i'm confused why Jay Wright and and Mark Few would be considered candidates for the UNC job. I assume that UNC will will call them the same way that I would hope, by the way, that like if Coach K decides to retire next year, I would very much like for for whoever is the athletic director at that point to call to call Mark, Mark Few. Few. Yes. I want <laughs> I, I want to at least know that they tried. Um, but I don't think those guys are leaving those jobs in the same way. I don't think Tom Izzo is leaving Michigan State. It's the, right. it's the same. It's the same conversation. But below that. Any other coach that is a head coach right now, Scott Drew and like Scott Drew, I think is a is a perfect candidate if you're going to go outside the family because if you're basically looking at guys who have succeeded at a high major level, who run their programs without scandal, Scott Drew has has done an excellent job at Baylor of bringing them out of years of scandal. I don't know how you could find a better current head coach in college basketball other than the fact that he's not a a Carolina guy. He's not from the Southeast. That it's not really his his uh, his territory. Shoot, look at how well Mick Cronin just did at UCLA, getting them to the final four this year. I, I think that he could be a contender here. I think there's lots of guys who have been successful in recent years who would be good fits at Carolina. And and one other name that that um, a couple of the writers at The Athletic threw out that I thought was very interesting was Don Staley, who is the women's head coach at University of South Carolina, who has had an excellent uh, run Waller. recently. And and who everyone is talking about right now as one of the hottest coaches. Look, UNC has and this is somewhat tangential to them finding like the best coach for them. But UNC, one of the things that they're very proud of in their program is that they were the first ACC program to have a black player. And this is Charlie Scott. This is way decades ago. Right. And this is something that they hold up as like Dean Smith was this was this, you know, great progressive um, you know, future looking head coach type of guy. And that they've, they've sort of touted that for a long time. What better way to revive the UNC as the primo progressive program in the ACC than by hiring the first female head coach in, in the power five. And I, I actually am not even sure if there's been a female head coach in, in I don't think there is. in men's division one ever. I don't think there so is now. That would be a, that would be an incredible look. Thing it's, to do. It's a big deal when there's a female assistant coach in Division right. One. There, there, so, there, I think there are a couple of them, maybe now at the most. But yeah, I, I, and the I'm time to say there is very quickly on that. I'm not going to say there hasn't been one because there's 357. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we may be so missing this. We may be missing one, but I will say this really quickly. On, on there's two that I'll want to note. Hubert Davis. He remember he was on ESPN College Game Day. He was one of ESPN's lead college analysts, and he left that job abruptly to take the assistant job at UNC because he had always talked about coaching at UNC would be his dream job. Of course, like it would be for a lot of guys, but he literally left to get into this position to be a guy that can be considered as a front runner if Roy or whenever Roy retired. So I I think that is the smart money to play. I will say this though. I know, I know it wasn't going to joke, but UNC, I think needs a mid-major coach. I think they need one with some experience, one with the pedigree of winning, and a coach that has some major accomplishment and titles under his belt. I'm not going to say his full name because I don't want to speak this into existence, but Rick P I T I N O would be a fascinating hire. Don't you ever not Donald. Don't. <laughs> I'm just no. saying 
I'm not going to speak it to this. That's the last time I'll say his name, but I'll say that it will. The one thing that I'll make it the joke part of it is that it will make UNC fans have to really reconcile with how much they really hate Kentucky if he took over as coach. So I think that is that, that, but I think that's also the thing is what UNC wants, right? UNC wants a splash hire. They either want someone in the family or they want a splash hire. He would he would fit that outside the family one. I think some of the ones that you mentioned, Sam, like Scott Drew, would also be a splash hire. Hey, hey can, just really quickly, I want to toss out one or two other names that I think are very interesting here. Um, Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan currently coaching the Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, his NBA stuff, he's had some success in the NBA, but this, that you want to talk about a splash hire. Billy Donovan would be a huge deal if he was coming back to college. And I don't think it's out of the question because the Carolina job is such a big deal. And then the other thing I will say is Matt Norlander already said Carolina needs to call Mark, that Mark Few will not hang up the phone. Mark Few will think about it. Mark Few will consider it. He says that Mark Few uh, really reveres Roy Williams, considers Roy Williams one of his mentors, and that it is not out of the question. I mean, we may think, why would Mark Few leave Gonzaga? But Carolina, I mean, like I said, I think there are four teams, four programs that are the Pantheon. They are the programs you, if you're a head coach, I don't care if you've got one of the 10 program, best programs in the country. If these four come and call, you have to listen. Duke, UNC, Kansas, and Kentucky. I think Mark Few might listen. So don't be incredibly shocked. And then the other thing I wanted to mention just really quickly um, you guys are talking about a woman. I think one of the things that works for Hubert Davis, I think, I think th- there's a desire to get an African-American in, in, into, a, into this kind of a job. Um, it, you know, the, the most high profile, the biggest jobs in college basketball, there are not many African-American coaches there. Juwan Howard at Michigan. Shaka Smart was at Texas and he is yep, no longer. Exactly. But, um, and I'm not saying that Carolina like needs to do this from a, uh, you know, a quota state or something. So I'm, I'm not even beginning to imply something like that. Of course not. But I think it'd be good for the game, good for the game of college basketball if one of the most premier programs in the sport had an African-American heading it because I I, I just think that's important for our country and, and for the sport. You know, I'll just say that. Yeah. And again, I think he's the leader in the pack of this pack, this what is growing pack. But I will say when it comes to coaches in the NBA real quickly, a lot of people, I know UNC, like I said, top 10 jobs. And if you're saying you're a top 10 job, you're not talking about Duke, UNC, Kentucky, or Kansas, because they are above the top 10 coaches' jobs in America. That's just another pantheon. But I do think normally people always like to throw in college coaches who went to the NBA who may want to return to college. I think a lot of them, they say, hey, look, I went to the NBA for a reason. And I want to stay in the NBA as long as I can, because it's very hard for them to return to college and then go back to the NBA. So they usually leave when their NBA days they feel are done. And I think that is uh, something that when you talk about Brad Stevens or, or Billy Donovan, I think those are ones that are really long, more long shots than guys that are at established college programs because they don't want to leave the NBA. They want to ride that wave until they can't any longer. One thing I want to, talk about here that to sort of bring this back to Duke, because we've now been (laughs) spending the last, I don't know how many minutes talking about Carolina. I would encourage Duke fans to pay attention to the way this coaching search goes, because in many ways, the coaching search for UNC is a lot like the way the coaching search at Duke is going to go whenever coach K decides to retire in that 
Roy's been there for a very long time. Coach K has been there for a very long time. There are assistant coaches and, and head coaches elsewhere that have ties to the program that seem like logical fits, just like there are at Duke. And none of, but that being said, none of them are like obvious. They must be hired. I think like Wes Miller is in better position in terms of like closeness to the program and also head coaching experience that he makes like just about the best hire you could have for UNC. Like, in, you know, if you're looking around, like he doesn't have high major experience, but he's done really well at another school in North Carolina. Duke doesn't have a an alum like that. But even even Wes Miller, I don't think is perfectly positioned here. And as we've mentioned, Hubert Davis is is a very popular pick for a number of reasons. Watch the way that this goes down and and sort of take notes mentally on the way that you think things are going at UNC. I think one of the interesting things is that there are a lot of stakeholders in this decision process for UNC. They've got their the folks who work in the athletic department, Bubba Cunningham, but there are a lot of powerful Carolina alumni sort of all over sports that would love to have a hand in either picking this coach or being this coach. They have, they have guys who are coaching at the NBA level. They, Michael Jordan is, you know, the elephant in the room here. And, and when you look at the, the, I think the big difference between the Carolina job and the Duke job is that Carolina's got a lot more stakeholders involved and you're going to see how that process plays out sort of for good or for, or for worse. When the Duke job comes up, Coach K is like far and away the most important person at Duke. Like whoever the athletic director is going to be will have spent many fewer years at Duke than Coach K has. The other coaches who work at Duke have not been there as long as Coach K. President Price, I don't even know if President Price is involved in this decision-making process. And by the way, I don't think any of Duke's prominent sports-related alumni or basketball-related alumni are going to have a huge hand in this. Like, I don't know if Adam Silver or Grant Hill or Shane Battier care that much about who becomes the Duke coach. None of them just strike me like that. So pay attention to this and, and see how, explore your feelings as the Carolina coaching search is, is happening because there's a lot that it may say about the Duke coaching search that even though we don't want it to happen for many years is probably coming sooner than later. You know, Sam, you brought up something I was just going to mention, which is we all want to think of these guys who are, currently coaches someplace, but there could be names, you know, folks who are out there who are not coaching, but are such a big name, such a prominent alum. Michael Jordan is the obvious, you know, the clear obvious one that, that you would have to consider them anyway. I mean, not that Juwan Howard is a perfect comparison at Michigan, by the way, Juwan Howard just won AP coach of the year today. Um, not that he's a perfect comparison, but you know, John, Juwan Howard wasn't exactly a huge name in coaching circles when he got that Michigan job. Sam, I think you mentioned some of the ones. Would it shock anyone if when Coach K retires, Duke turned to Shane Battier or Grant Hill? Would anyone think those were bad hires? Goodness, I wouldn't. I would think they're great hires. And I'm not saying that that UNC is considering Michael Jordan or that Michael Jordan is interested in this job. I doubt he is because he's he's been in the sort of executive world for a long time as a as a member of the, you know, he's like in the NBA and, and is doing a lot of things on, on the well, NBA he, side. He owns but, the Hornet. He owns right. the Hornets. But but Michael Jordan will have a will have a seat at the table, one of the few seats at the table that actually matters when it comes to picking the UNC head coach because and it, his name is all over the program. His his logo is on their jerseys. Like he matters here. And I think the difference between this coaching search for UNC and what ours will look like 87 million years from now, whenever that happens, is that he might have the biggest seat at the table. He might have the throne at the table. 
he's is the only he's the only person that could be bigger than the university because he is bigger than the university to the point where he can sponsor university and put his image on their jerseys so that every time you look at North Carolina, all you do is think of Jordan. So that is the difference here. Whereas for us, Coach K is the biggest seat at the table, at least as far as we can assume, he will be the biggest seat at the table and he will have the biggest influence into who gets the job after him. This is the most intriguing part of it to me because Coach K, I I could see this going either way where he really wants to keep the decision like close to him and 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 he be ultimately the the decider on, on who gets to succeed him because no one sort of outranks him at Duke in in any way but I could also see him saying similar to the to the way Roy was today at his press conference where he says look I'm done I've I've, I've like accomplished all I've wanted to accomplish here at Duke I'm I'm you know I have nothing left to, to sort of prove and it's time for for somebody else to take over the way Roy talked today in the press conference does not make it sound like he's going to be sitting in the meetings and, and, and picking the next head coach. And I could see Coach K deciding, look, I'm just an old guy and I want to hang out with my grandchildren. Somebody else figured this out for me. I've, I've left you guys in, in, in good enough position. So it's going to be going to be interesting to watch. And and even though, you know, ultimately, I, I don't care who the UNC coach is because we'll we'll beat them regardless of, of if it's Hubert Davis or Wes Miller or or Jason Evans as, as the head coach. But but watch the way it it. Um, the watch the way it may reflect the way the Duke coaching search goes. I'll, I'll predict one thing really quick. First of all, I, I will I will not take the UNC job if they offer it to me. I was going to ask you. I was actually going to ask <laughs> you. One one you will not serve earlier. I meant to. I meant to throw this in. I was going to say, Jason and Donald, if offered the UNC job, would you take it? Yeah. So I mean, we can joke and kid. Uh, by the way, yes, I, I probably would take it because it'd be a lot of money, <laughs> and coaching a basketball team would be a lot of fun. I, I coach my son's junior high team. And this would be a step up. So yeah. Are you probably, better than Are you better than Stackhouse? <laughs> I, you know, uh, he has not done a great job at Vandy. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> so here's the thing: for me, I would take the job, but I have no interest in being a basketball coach. They would know that, and they would pay me millions of dollars to be something I want. I don't want to be. I just do what I need to do for my Duke people and run that program right into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, the thing I was going to say was. I would not be shocked if we find out that Carolina has sort of this coach lined up. Uh, I, I don't think that Roy's announcement today came as a huge shock and surprise. Like Donald said, we've been getting sort of word about this for, for several days that it might possibly be out there. Um, my bet is that Carolina sort of had an inkling that this could be going on. Everyone's talked about the fact that after the, after the game against Duke, the, the last home game, that Roy went out and kissed center floor, the center court kissed the logo. Um, and they say that that was him. You know, a lot of people went, wait, was he just kissing the logo goodbye? So I think Roy has known for a little while that he was going to be done. I think he probably told folks at Carolina he was going to be done. We just got the announcement today, but I won't be shocked if we get the announcement of who the next coach is fairly soon. Won't be this weekend, but maybe next week, because I think Carolina has already been moving on this. They were not blindsided by what just happened today. Um, and, and I suspect knowing the way that program is run, that, that there's a good bit of planning that's already gone into figuring out who's going to replace Roy Williams. I will say this as we wrap up, Carolina, next time you have a coach or next time you have an announcement like this, do not plan to do anything on April Fool's Day where it takes half the day for people to figure out whether or not you are joking. Because I was, sure. day, I was sure it was a joke. I, when I, I believe first, nothing. I was sure it was a joke. I, I, I ignored out. the first five tweets I saw it and I was like, uh, everyone's falling for it. And then I was like, wait a second. 
it came out within like an hour of Duke men's basketball tweeting out their April Fool's joke, which I liked. It was a, it was about them expanding Cameron Indoor Stadium and making it a, an indoor outdoor situation. I thought it was I, I read it yeah. initially. I read it and I was like, I know this is an April Fool's joke, but I'm kind of I kind of want to cut it down with this. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I like it, but I, I, I want to learn more. Well, we had an alternate episode of this podcast that was going to go if that press conference turned out to be a joke. It was just going to be me telling everyone why you don't believe anything on April Fool's Day. But it happened, so we decided to discuss it. But we will leave it here for episode 302 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Again, we have a lot of Duke content coming over the next few days. Uh, We have Return to Glory dropping on Friday. Trevor Keels is announcing his decision on Friday. We have the Final Four. We have Paolo Banquero. Make sure you are subscribed to the Duke Basketball Report podcast wherever you get your shows and tell your friends. Make sure you can hit play as soon as we release all this great content for you. You know your friends love and Duke support and they want to hear about this. So we have a lot coming up. We'll, We'll keep bringing our reactions to it. But for now, for Sam and Jason, I'm Donald. Thanks so much for listening. And here's the Duke band to take us home. 